Hello and welcome to episode 244 of the Veg Grower podcast. My name's Richard and I like to grow food in my allotment and garden. Now coming up a little later on, I have three books that I've been given throughout this year and that I have found rather interesting. But as always, before that, we have the diary. Well, today is Saturday the 8th of November 2019. I've had an interesting day today. Now, this morning, I got up and went straight to a glass supplier near me. During the week, I rang them up and ordered 18 panels of 2 foot by 2 foot horticultural glass for my granddad's greenhouse on the allotment. So I went and collected that this morning. Um, cost me £108, which I don't mind. Now, I did debate about using glass or perspex or twin wood polycarbonate. I decided on glass because that's what it was originally made of and it's got sentimental value, this greenhouse. It wasn't cheap, but it'll do the job and it's what it should be, in my opinion. So I picked that up this morning and I took it straight to the allotment. I didn't fit the panels, just uh, dropped it off on the allotment and I hope to fit it tomorrow. But the reason I didn't fit it today is I wanted to get off to the reclaim yard that I spoke of last week. And it was well worth going this week, I've got to say. Because the weather was a bit better, sorry, got fireworks going off now. Because the weather was a bit better today, I could actually have a good rummage round and ended up buying quite a few bits of wood, which are going to be great for the allotment. Now I've gone for sort of a couple inch thick, that's five centimetre thick wood, because that's going to last and as well as be fairly strong. Now currently the bed that I'm replacing and the beds that I've built in the past I made out of pallets and the pallets have been fine. It's just they're quite thin so they rot quite quickly. They're, they feel a little th- flimsy and when you put any weight on them I always worry they're going to break apart. So I wanted something a bit stronger and also it's a lot of work to get pallets cut down and ready to use. So I wanted something a bit thicker, stronger. And that's what I got. I bought this load of wood, got quite a bit of it. And I've been cutting a few pieces up this evening, ready to build some beds tomorrow on the allotment. Uh, But today has been really getting it ready. Now this morning, the weather was actually quite good, but this afternoon it has tipped it down. It's been really horrible. So it was quite nice being in my shed, cutting this wood down in the dry when it was wet outside. It felt really, really good. Now, the only other thing I've done is I've moved my broad beans that were in my potting shed into my greenhouse. Broad beans and peas, I should say, are my overwintering plants. I'm hoping to get these planted out next week, so I've got to start hardening them off. And they will be going in this bed that I'll be building tomorrow. So I've really got to crack on and get things done tomorrow. Well, that's it for today. A little update again. Uh, Nothing going on during the week because it's dark when I get home from work, but it's feeling really good at the moment. Things are really starting to take shape again. Well, today is the 10th of November 2019 and I, I have spent the morning on the allotment. It's actually been a really nice day. A little chilly, but the sun is shining and <laughs> typical thing, isn't it? Us Brits talking about the weather. Now, what have I been up to today? Well, I had two jobs that were my main focus today, both of which have been achieved. Now, the first one was fitting glass panels 
to the greenhouse. Now you may remember yesterday I said I had bought the panels and dropped them off at the allotment. And the first thing I did when I got here today was fit the panels. I did buy some extra clips to hold the glass panels into place. Uh, and I went around fitting all these glass panels. It went okay right up until the last glass panel. Now that last glass panel was by the front door. And there happens to be a bolt that goes through the door to the frame to hold the sort of door into place. And that bolt was sort of in the way as I was trying to fit this glass panel. And that meant that the glass snapped in half, which is a real pain in the ass. means I'm going to have to go buy another one, but one out of 18 ain't bad. Anyway, with a greenhouse now up and running, I quickly sowed some of my Adelaide carrot seeds inside in the square pot that I spoke of last week. These I found in my greenhouse. They're kind of made of a green tarpaulin. I filled one of those up last week, multi-purpose compost for down here. I've also got one at home and I've sowed some Adelaide carrot seeds in there. I don't know how they're going to get on, but we'll be interested to find out. Then I moved on to my second main job that I spoke of yesterday, and that was replacing one of the beds. Now, originally this bed, which would have been one of the first beds to be built, I made out of pallet wood, and it started to rot quite a bit in places. So I've, I've removed all the pallet wood, and then the wood that I cut yesterday, I've built a new bed from. Now I'm quite liking this. Being two inches thick, it's nice and solid. And I actually really do like this. Uh, yeah, it's nice and solid. It's not going anywhere. I can stand on it. I'm standing on it right now, actually. And it, it, it's staying. If this was a pallet wood, I couldn't stand on it. Now, not that I make a habit of standing on beds. It's just the idea is that it's, it, it just fills me with confidence that it's not going to fall apart so easily. I always had a feeling with a pallet wood, if I knocked against it with, say, a wheelbarrow sink, it was going to fall apart. Now, as I was building this, I made a point of making the path in between this and the bed next to it a bit bigger. Originally, the paths were 30 centimetres apart, which, I, when I designed this allotment, I thought 30 centimetres would be enough but this wasn't. Couldn't get a wheelbarrow down here, which wasn't too much of a problem in the beginning. But as I've gone along, moving lumps of horse manure and compost down here has been uh, problematic. So I wanted to be able to run a wheelbarrow down here. And the other problem was I've got quite big feet. So walking down here, it was kind of getting in the way of my feet anyway. So just that extra space just made it, makes all the difference. Now, of course, because this is only the one bed I've done so far, the other beds are going to take a while before I can move those slightly over to give those wider paths. But that's something to plan out in the future. I'm going to try and get some more of this good wood and start cutting it up ready to build these beds. I'm also planning to build some more beds, uh, one alongside the greenhouse is like a, a cold frame type thing. But that's going to be some of my winter projects that we're going to get making over this next few months. So that's it from the allotment today. I'm going to head home shortly and have some lunch. I'm hoping I might be able to cut up some more wood and do a few bits at home. Uh, and of course, being a Sunday, I've got the live show to do at six o'clock this evening.
This week's tip of the week from the RHS Plant Grow Harvest Calendar is make the most of fading light by moving houseplants to window ledges but move them again if frost hits. On that tip, I moved what I class as my edible houseplants inside a few weeks ago. These are my turmeric plants, my cardamom plants and my ginger plants. And currently they sit on my kitchen windowsill where they can get as much natural light as possible while still remaining relatively warm. However, there may be a time I need to move them should we get really cold overnight. I have a huge collection of gardening books which seems to be forever growing and with these colder darker nights that are now drawing in something I quite like to do is sit down by the fire and read through many of these books with a notebook and start making plans for the following year. Now this week I wanted to talk to you about some of the books that I have been sent throughout this year which are all related to Grow Your Own. And for this I've selected three books to talk about tonight and I'll be adding Amazon links to all these should you be interested. Now my first book is called 100 Vegetables and Where They Came From by William Woyes Weaver. I received this book way back at the beginning of the year and straight away I knew it was going to be a book I would enjoy just by reading the blurb on the back. Now this blurb reads, there's more to the potato than meets the eye. William Woyes Weaver picks 100 of the most interesting and intriguing vegetables from around the world and shares their stories. Potoma Gold Rush Bean, brought to the United States from Peru by an American whaler who jumped ship. Lumber Potato, the infamous potato that failed in Ireland and caused the Great Irish Famine, still grown and eaten today. Victoria rhubarb, named after Queen Victoria, is one of the heaviest producing rhubarb. Little Nubian pepper, an old Jamaican pepper known as a sore throat pepper, believed to sieve sore throat when infused with rum and used as a gargle. Now that blurb on the back kind of piqued my interest. I'm always interested in the stories that go on behind the vegetables. There's so many stories and information that we can learn that just makes all these vegetables a little bit more interesting. While reading through this book, it takes me back to the days of an old-fashioned BBC reporter reading it to me. But that was before I found out that the author was from the United States. And this book was kind of intended for that market. In fact, I got my friend Richard Vobes to do some voiceover when I used an extract of this book in a chickpea video earlier on in the year. He's very good at voice imitation. And actually, I'll play the audio now and it'll give you a sense of what I'm talking about. The challenge of a good kitchen garden is to determine the limits, that is, just how far one can test the climate and soil. I had never grown chickpeas until I acquired this one, and I have satisfied my intuition that gardeners, in the northeastern part of the country at least, have not explored the full range of things that they can grow. This is because the selection of chickpeas to choose from is enormous. From popping chickpeas and black-seeded varieties to the large Italian sorts with flavours like chestnuts. We seem to imagine that chickpeas are strictly Mediterranean, even though the Pennsylvanian Germans grew two sorts in the 18th century. The colonial Germans used chickpeas in home remedies. The soup was thought to increase milk in nursing mothers, and also employed them in winter porridges. One of the sorts was described as red, actually red-brown, 
And this is what inspired me to try the Iranian chickpea that resembles the Desi-type red chana of India. Desi is an Indian term generally used by growers in the United States to qualify by type the small seeded chickpeas that are eaten both green, like a pea, or dried for later cooking. They are widely used in India and Iran for dumplings and paste-like dips. If the Iranian chickpea could thrive in high arid plateaus of central Iran, then surely it would have no trouble adjusting to a dry spot in my garden. That is the secret of growing good chickpeas. They do not require much water. You can probably hear in that extract why I feel such an informative book. And I, as I said earlier, I always like to hear the stories behind the vegetables. And this book does go into some really interesting stories and it's rather informative at the same time. My next book is one that I've recently been sent and am currently reading through. I'm really enjoying this book. It's called Gardening for the Zombie Apocalypse by Isabel Lloyd and Phil Clark. By that title, I'm guessing you can probably tell why I was sent this book following the Halloween podcast that I produced. Now, I've got to say, I wish I had known about this book before I produced that podcast, and I would have got the authors on that podcast. Despite the title being about an apocalypse, the information in this book is actually very useful for a beginner grow your owner or the more experienced. The premise of this book is summed up beautifully on the inside cover, which reads... When the zombies start stumbling over the hill, what's the first weapon you should grab? A garden fork, because once imports collapse and the supermarket veg aisles are empty, only growing your own can keep you alive. This straightforward and useful guide will help you do it. Yes, you're probably stuck in a flat above chicken cottage and have never watched Gardener's World and would rather eat compost than meet Monty Don. But don't worry. Even if you're a complete beginner, surviving with just two pots on a patio, the food-growing authors of Gardening for a Zombie Apocalypse will help you master the necessary horticultural skills you need to survive, all while making some silly jokes about zombies. Now, as gardening books go, I found this book to be pretty light-hearted, with quite a few chuckles. But the information in this book is also really well-researched. But more importantly, it's practical advice that we can still use in our everyday garden. For example, within this book, there's a chapter called Soldier Skills. This chapter is divided up into smaller sections called Skills. Skill one is improving your soil, which talks about improving your soil by use of compost, leaf mold and manure. Skill two is sowing and growing, all about developing skills on sowing and growing our crops, learning when's the right time to sow and so on. You kind of get the idea with these skills. Now currently I am really enjoying this book as you can probably tell but what I also like is the different take on a gardening book which will probably appeal to non-gardeners too and it might just well get these non-gardeners to start growing their own food. My third book was given to me by a listener and friend Emily and this book is called The Allotment Cookbook by Catherine Hawkins. Now there's a lot of books with this title. In fact, if I look on my bookshelf right now, I can see three other books with that same title. It does make a lot of sense though, doesn't it? After all, if we're growing our own food on our allotments, it's great to have a few recipes to cook our homegrown food with. The first half of this book focuses on the more common fruits and vegetables that we might grow, arranged in alphabetical order from apples to tomatoes. The author shares her initial thoughts on each vegetable before delving deeper into harvesting and preparing and cooking said produce. 
Now, Catherine then goes on to share her top recipe tips. For example, her top recipe for asparagus includes serving with hot melted butter or a drizzle of good quality olive oil and a squeeze of lemon, some cracked black pepper and either some crispy fried breadcrumbs or a little grated parmesan cheese. Or another tip is drizzle griddled asparagus with a dressing of soy sauce, sweet sherry and grated ginger and sprinkle with some toasted sesame seeds. Now the second half of this book is a collection of recipe that the author has curated. While some of these recipes do include meat, the main feature of all these are the use of vegetables picked from the author's allotment. One recipe that I particularly caught my eye is sweet potato muffins. Unfortunately, this year I never got round to growing sweet potatoes, but having had success with sweet potatoes in the past, next year I will be certainly growing more of them. However, I did make these muffins from some store-bought sweet potatoes as an experiment, and I tell you what, I was pleasantly surprised. These muffins were probably closer to a cake than a muffin, but they were really nice. And I found them served warm, no icing, but with maple syrup drizzled over the top. They were genuinely really tasty. This book was first published in 2007, so it might be a little difficult to get hold of. But if you do get the chance, it's well worth a look. Now that's my three books based on Grow Your Own that I've chosen. But that doesn't mean to say there's not any more very very good books out there there's many on my wish list uh, one book in particular that i quite like the look of is by jack wallington wild about weeds which i hope to buy in a not too distant future but if you happen to have any books that you actually find interesting then please let me know Well, thank you very much for listening again this week. If you want to get in touch, then you can email me, richard at thevegrowerpodcast.co.uk or you can leave a comment on the blog post at thevegrowerpodcast.co.uk for this episode. And of course, through social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just search for The Veg Podcast. For this week, please take care and I'll speak to you again next time. <laughs>